Now, let's take a hard look at God's Word and what the Bible says about it. Because if that's the way we're going to know the will of God, and that's what's going to change our lives and make us what God wants us to be so that we can serve Him in everything in life, we had better know what he says about his word and how it works in our lives. Turn to 2 Timothy 3. In this third chapter of Paul's very last letter, he says, Timothy, times are going to be bad. You're going to minister in difficult days. Every value in society is going to be up for grabs. But there's one thing that will keep you straight throughout all of that, and that is the Scriptures. So in contrast to those who go astray following all the changing values of life, he says, Timothy, look, verse 14, you, however, must continue in the things that you learned and are convinced of knowing from whom you learned them. This was the apostolic word. The scriptures had not yet been totally written. In fact, this was one of the words that was being penned at that moment. But the apostolic word for us today is the scriptures. That's the only place we can find the apostolic word. It doesn't exist apart from the New Testament scriptures. So verse 14 for us today means the New Testament. And then he goes on to say, and that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures. Well, he didn't have any New Testament to read as a child, so this was the Old Testament that are able to make you wise about salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Old Testament as well as the New proclaimed the same message that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for sinners and that God raised him bodily from the dead. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that 15th chapter, this is the gospel which I preached unto you, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that is, according to the Old Testament scriptures, and how he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Two points in the gospel that were there clearly in the Old Testament and ring out continually throughout the New that Christ died for our sins that he was buried and that he rose bodily from the dead, the death and the resurrection of Christ, the death and the resurrection of Christ. And if you go through the whole book of Acts, wherever anybody's speaking individually or giving a message to crowds, it's always the death and the resurrection of Christ, the death and the resurrection of Christ. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the message which was proclaimed. Well, the Old Testament was able to make us wise to salvation because it talked about a coming Messiah who would die and rise again. The scriptures do four things for us, Paul says here. Verse 16, all scripture, and your version probably says is inspired by God. That word inspired has created more difficulty, more confusion, and more problems for people than perhaps any other word concerning the scriptures. Let's get clear in our minds what that word means. First of all, do not talk about inspired writers. 
the beginning of all heresy about the Bible is to start talking about inspired writers. The Bible says nothing about inspired writers. When people start talking to you about inspired writers, they're picturing something like somebody sitting out here at Santa Cruz watching the sun melt into the Pacific and they get jiggly all up their back. And then they write down something out of their inspiring moment that they had, that existential experience on the beach. The Bible does not talk about inspired writers. What it says about the writers is that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, borne along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote. In other words, they didn't write of their own strength or their own wisdom, but they were supported in what they wrote. They were carried along. They were caught up in something that the Holy Spirit was doing in their lives so that when they wrote, they wrote what they wanted to write, but they also wrote at the same time exactly what God wanted to write, and they wrote without error. I don't believe in inspired writers. This speaks about inspired writings. That's what you have to believe in, inspired writings. Wasn't that the man had some kind of inspiring experience? But the product of their writing was inspired. That's the point. The Bible is inspired, not the man. The Bible is inspired. Always get that clear in your mind. All scripture is inspired, it says. Now, the word inspired has another problem. The word inspired is an English word that comes from the original Greek through Latin. And the Latin word means <gasps> to breathe in, whereas the Greek word means <sighs> to breathe out. Just the opposite. If we were to take the correct corresponding Latin word and bring it into English, it would be ex. All scripture is expired by God. But that creates problems because of the undertakers and the librarians. So we probably will do best to just translate this word in simple modern English, adding one other that's also hooked on to that word, this way, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. Now you can see how foolish it is to talk about inspired writers. Writers can't be breathed out. It doesn't make any sense. But it's talking not about writers, it's speaking about writings. And it says that the Scriptures, the writings, are breathed out by God. Now, what does that mean? When I was in Brazil some years ago, a Brazilian missionary was speaking to me about the difference between our two countries. He said, Brazil is very illiterate. And he said, things are different in an illiterate society. He said, now, if you had a secretary... And you were to 
Say to your secretary, I'm going to leave town for a week and I'd like you to do so-and-so on Wednesday. But before you left, you thought, no, I'd better have her do it on Tuesday. So you scribbled a little note and you said, please do so-and-so on Tuesday and you left it in the middle of her desk. He said, on which day would she do it? I said, obviously she'd do it on Tuesday. Because if there was any question, she could always wave that note in front of my face and say, see, here, right here, you wrote Tuesday. There it is, your handwriting, right there. She'd have the evidence. She said, yes, that's how it would be in America. But he said, not in Brazil. He said, in a country that's illiterate, where a lot of the people don't know how to read and write, he said, the spoken word is more important than the written word. And she would reason this way. Yes, he wrote Tuesday, but he was trying to remind me through that note of what he told me, and he told me Wednesday, so he must have made a mistake when he wrote Tuesday. That's how she'd reason in Brazil. Now, I know a few of you have secretaries that reason that way anyway. <clears throat> but not generally. You see, in an illiterate society, the spoken word has precedence over the written word. This was largely an Ill illiterate society. The word of God had to be read to people so that they could hear it. It's what you read about in the first part of the book of Revelation. Blessed is he who reads and he who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. And so what Paul is guarding against is any notion that this book is on some lesser plane than the spoken word of God. He's saying the two must be identified, not distinguished. That this is as much God's word, this written material that's in front of you, is as much God's word as if you could hear him speak it by means of breath. That's what he's saying. It is the breathed out word of God. He's saying if God himself were to stand before you in some physical form and were to speak his will to you by means of breath, he would say nothing more, nothing less, and nothing different from what he has said in his written word. The two are precisely the same. This is the word and will of our God breathed out into Scripture. Now, because the Bible is that, and by the way, that's where the attack always falls on God's Word. It has, from the very beginning, as the devil questioned the Word of God. 